Hey everyone and welcome to season two of The Depot, a podcast focused on getting to know the transport industry a bit better. In this series, we will be talking about health, safety and well-being. And I am genuinely super excited by the guest we have today. It is Dave Latelli. Uh, if you haven't heard of Dave, he's a life coach and the founder of the community weight loss program, BBM. And quite simply, he is a genuine inspiration. Uh, he'll be sharing his journey to health and well-being with us, along with the results he is seeing from the people he works with and tips for those wanting to start their own journey, plus tips for exercise and how to eat well on the go. Um, but just before we crack into the chat with Dave, um, I just wanted to have a quick shout out to the sponsor and creator of this podcast, uh, my good mates at AutoSense, and they offer driver training and safety solutions to commercial fleets. And of course, uh, we can't do these things without them, so it's great uh, that they are driving this initiative, sharing the knowledge and getting conversations going in the transport sector. So Dave, welcome along, mate. Uh, so great to uh, have the opportunity to come and speak to you mm. um, or you come along and speak to me and have, a, have this conversation. Um, I uh, uh, Not that long ago, um, I actually got on YouTube and I uh, looked at your video on there, right? And straight away, just blown away. The, the story is, is something else and... and um, we're going to go through that mm. in, in some detail now and, and talk about it. So let's just set the scene, yeah. Let's start off with, um, uh, you know, where you came from early years and, and uh, give us a bit of a rundown on, on it because it's, it is, as I say, it's inspiring. Uh, yeah, awesome. Uh, it's great to meet you. Always been a Holden fan, <laughs> so it's awesome, yeah. awesome to meet you. Um, yeah. yeah, look, my life, it's been a roller coaster, bro. Mm. Uh, I thought things were normal growing up. Uh, but, you know, it's not till later on I realised that, that that definitely wasn't. Uh, my father was the president of the Auckland chapter of the mob. Um, you know, he was a, a bank robber by trade. That's <laughs> what he did for a living, what he did Crazy. to put food on our table. <laughs> is it, uh, is, uh, how does that feel saying that out loud? I mean, you probably, you're so used to it. but Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's funny. I mean, I'm used to it. Yeah. But um, what was funny is, you know, before this, before recording this, I, I've just come from speaking to ASB banks. <laughs> <It was. laughs> <laughs> I thought uh, it's just so, it's, you know, it just shows me what's possible, you know, like to go come from that yeah. and then to, you know, being, you know, a keynote speaker uh, to ASB Bank is it shows, you know, for everyone that it is possible. It doesn't matter, you know, where you start in life, you know, you can't let that determine where you end up, mm. you know, and my start was, was pretty out there. Um, you know, my he was sentenced to 10 years when I was in, um, when I was five, so yep. I got sent away and, um, you know, so my start to life wasn't wasn't the best, but I I really tried to use it as uh, fuel. You know, I hated being poor, I hated being broken. I, I used it to motivate me to to study hard and to, to train hard, and you know, and I ended up doing all right. But you know, but it's been a uh, a roller coaster. Yeah, mm. massive. When when your dad went to went to prison, um, what what happened to you through that period? It's, it's a long period of time for a young mm. You know, a young man growing up and going through so many changes and 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 dealing with stuff. I mean, uh, what was your connection through that time, and and how did that make you feel? Oh, it was a nightmare. Right. Um, you know, I don't remember too much. Uh, you know, my first memory of the police was actually them raiding my house and stealing all our Christmas presents. You know, that was my first as a three-year-old. Um, that was my first memory of the police was them coming into our house and taking away all our Christmas presents. 
You know, it's not till later on in life I realized, you know, they weren't stealing them. It's called confiscating. But, you know, <laughs> you know but when he went away, um, you know, and something I always talk about to youth who think it's cool to be a gangster, you know, that, um, that feeling. Um, I was so scared. And, uh, you know, I just remember my mum coming home panicking yep. and packing all my stuff up. And I, I got shipped off to Australia to live with my grandparents, um, my dad's parents who were so embarrassed of what was my going on with my dad um, that they moved countries and took me with them. Um, and that was, life was pretty normal. But, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll just never forget one time my, um, we've never really spoken too much about it, me and my father. Um, but, but the only time we did sort of speak about it well, it happened to be on an interview on TV and, and he brought up a, a memory that I'd blocked. And, you know, as a kid, you tend to block bad things out, right? And he said, I never forget this moment when I got out and I called my parents and I could just hear Dave wailing and crying to come home. And I'd forgotten about it. But when he brought that up, it was like instant. The memories just come flooding back and I just broke down. Um, yeah, it was a nightmare being away from my mum, my sister, my father and, uh, so it was good when he got out and I, and I moved back. But, yeah. uh, I mean, the hardest time was um, at 21 when he got caught. Again, you know, I often talk about, you know, this increase in crime that we're seeing. And for me, there's a correlation in that between the increase in poor people, increase in desperate people. Yep. You know, there's, there's, it's, it's no accident to me. There's an increase in crime. There's an increase in, in poor, struggle. desperate struggle, yeah. you know. And uh, my father, you know, he was like a lot of us. We're driven to give our give his kids nice things. And my father, you know, he was a bank robber. Uh, at the time, he was a courier driver. And um, he tried his hand at um, to earn a bit more money and became a gardener. What do you think he was growing, Murph? Oh, <laughs> the good stuff. <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, like daffodils? Yeah, or, no, it yeah. wasn't tomatoes, that's yeah. for sure. But, uh, you know, yeah. he was uh, – and he got caught when I was 21. Yeah. And i never forget it. I was actually a security guard. At so you'd of, come home. Yeah, I'd come yep. home. Yep. You know, I was at uni. Wow. Things were good. I thought, you know, things were – I was breaking the cycle, second person in my entire family breaking to go to uni. Cycle, you know, yeah. I was, was proud. Um, but, yeah, it just took a detour. You know, I was actually – uh, working security at one of my dad's warehouses, which was a hydroponic operation. Um, we were in the security to call the police. We were there to stop people robbing us, you know. Mm. i never forget the phone call I got from my mum saying, um, don't go to work today, we've been raided. And that's the feeling. At, at five, I didn't really understand, but at 21, yeah. I understood. Fully aware. The repercussions of what was happening, mm. you know, on, my, on me, my mum and my two younger sisters. So I went right off the track that, at that time. Um, and, and it culminated in... Um, me trying to take my life, you know. I, I came home one day really drunk and high. Uh, I was living in a drug house and I hated my life. And I was so, like a lot of youth now and a lot, lot of people, I guess, walking around with chips on both our shoulders, angry with the world, angry with the system and hating ourselves. Yep. And, you know, I walked into the kitchen. I opened up the kitchen drawer. I pulled out a steak knife and I put, I put it into my chest. You know? and, uh, I really just want to encourage everybody that's listening to this and, um, to understand that it's 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 not a it's important we talk about these things, but it's important we understand that it's okay to be vulnerable, and it's not a sign of weakness to ask for help. Yeah, you know it's actually a sign of strength. I just wish I had, you know, and um, thank thank goodness, thank God it didn't work, and you know, and I and I'm, I'm still here today. 
So mm. the, the, you, you know, you talk about the break of the cycle, which I mean is, is just massive. I mean, it's just it's so important to try and you know keep talking about that kind of thing. The it was obviously significant. Then how significant was it that that your your grandparents took you at the time that they did, and you went to Australia? I mean, obviously very challenging for so many reasons, but but I mean, it was it was also a, a there was a positivity yeah. to it. Well, that's what you know. People have got to understand is that I was. I mean, I was at least lucky that I still had the rest of my family were good. The rest of your family you know, were like, good. Yeah, were they, you know they yeah. were steady and they were, yeah. you know they were. But a lot of people don't, don't have, have it. They don't have any good influences in their lives. They don't have any good family that can help them. You know, they don't have any wealthy family members that can help them. You know, they don't have any good friends that can give them a hand up. They're stuck. You know. Um, at least for me. So I got taken to Australia when I was five. And when I'd done that, I got taken to Australia again. You know, my family picked me up out of that situation. And I, it was crazy. I, I don't often talk about the moment when I, when, when I got taken back to Australia. But, you know, I, was, I got out of hospital and I was thinking, this, this, there's got to be more for me in this life, you yep. know. And, yep. But I was still up to no good. And, you know, I, I was uncontactable. I had no phone. Uh, we had no phone in the house. We barely had power. We had this house. We had prepay power, so you know you actually act like a prepay card. You're buying your power as you go. And um, my cousin came over and his um, with his cell phone, and his dad called him. And when he came over, I was actually rolling tinnies, you know, and and I was happy because we just got a whole bunch of you know good stuff in. And I was like, man, look at this, cuz, you know. And he put the phone on and goes, and it was my uncle. He goes, pack your bags. You're going to Australia. I said, I can't. I got no passport. Jude's going to get you one um, uh, emergency passport. In a couple of days, I was gone. You know, so wow. Who knows? So you had that. I mean, yeah. you still. It's right. You, you know, I, mean, I still was at the time. With a good you, did you even realize though? You no, probably, no, no. You didn't was, see what was happening. No, I was just. Um, I was in a bad way, um, and I just really. Uh, I was angry. Yeah. You know, I was a, a real angry guy, and um, shipped off to Australia. Came back and and went again. You know, but from from that, you know, from that tinny house that I was living in, I ended up, you know, um, really refocusing and, um, you know, uh, playing rugby league uh, with North Sydney Bears and played some rugby league in France and got contracted with Manly Seagulls um, from that from that doorstep of a tinny house that I was in. You know, um, yeah. So, but you know, that wasn't that still wasn't a happy ending yet. I still had uh, I had to go through more struggle. And I always say, you know, greatness comes from struggle. Everything I've been through has enabled me to relate to more people and help more people, you know. So I ended up having this, um, you know, playing, trying, chasing the lead career and didn't quite work out and ended up getting into businesses, had some really success in that, but only to lose everything. Yeah. You know, and then I moved back here in uh, February 2014. I was weighing 210 kilos. So what, so mm. just go uh, step back before you came home. So, you you, you know, you'd had these... These moments of success, you got into some business who obviously helped into that. There was some guidance there. But how did that unravel, that that part? Oh, I just had no idea how to handle money. Right. You know, and, and you, you, you all of a sudden had Yeah, you a know, I, I was just really – I worked my ass off. Yep. And I stopped – this is when I stopped worrying about my health. It was just work, money, you know, driven to give my kids everything. And, um, and just had – you know, I didn't know about income tax. I didn't know about GST. 
Um, I thought everything in that bank account was mine. Uh, and uh, and uh, the most valuable lesson I learned from those days is that there's a big difference between turnover and profits. <laughs> so, you know, I learned the hard way. And I went, I, you know, I had to go into the accounts and say, I'm done. What do I got to do? Wow. And, uh, you know, I wasn't prepared to struggle again. I always say to parents, be careful what your kids see and what they watch, what they, who they're listening to, what they, who they're hanging around with. You know, they see everything. Uh, I saw... Uh, my parents, when when times got tough, I didn't see them struggle or um, you know cut sky off, stop going out to eat. I, I saw a lot of drug dealing and robbing. That's what I saw. So you know, I got up. I ended up getting up to some no good. You know, and I, I always say you know because this again, this life's glamorized. Mm. You know, my, we had warehouses filled with cars right up to my early twenties. You know, uh, for my parents and my uncle, Lincoln's, Cadillacs, Range Rovers. You know, I was driving a Mercedes limousine, you know, that just screamed drug dealer, you know. So, but in, in the, you know, these warehouses, in one of them, my cousin hung herself, you know. It's like, um, you know, all our kids need is us, you know, and the best version of yourself, a happy, healthy you, your time, your presence. Um, you know, it's all my cousin wanted. Um, yeah. My uncle gave her a car instead, you know, 21 years old, she's gone, you know. So, um, yeah, I always really uh, encourage everyone to understand that, yeah. Of course, material things are nice, but it's not what our children need. It's mm. not. That's not what's going to make the difference. Yeah, yeah, it's you. And so you ended up back here in New, in New Zealand. How old were you? In 2014. Uh, I moved back. Oh, geez, I'm 44 now. I don't know. I don't oh, know what that is. 35 or so. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was. Uh, I moved back here, and this is where I really understood what matters in life, because I didn't miss uh, any of the material things. I missed my children, you know, and. Uh, we broke up, me and my partner, and uh, it was my fault. You know, I was an idiot. Um, and I, but I never forget it. When she was walking away with my children, uh, you know, one of my sons turned and he looked at me and the, and the look he gave me, it pierced my soul, you know, because it was like a look where he knew he wasn't going to see me in a while, you know. I was just think, fuck, why did I do this to my kids, you know? Just thinking, why? You know, and uh, but I, I didn't use it. Uh, as an at excuse. The time, yeah. Yeah. At, at the time, I, I used it as my fuel. You know, I was staying at my sister's house, my youngest sister, on her daughter's bed, my niece's bed. I couldn't fit on. And I just was staring at the roof thinking, how did I stuff my life up so bad? Where did things go so wrong for me? Um, but, you know, we have this inner critic inside our head that can be deafening. And all I did to silence it was, uh, you know, I got up, I borrowed my sister's car, I borrowed some petrol money, which was humiliating. Um, I drove to Wondra Hill and I went for a walk around the summit, you know. That was the start of my journey. While I was walking around the hill, I was no longer worried about how shit my life was. All I was worried about was, man, this is a steep hill, <laughs> you know. Why on earth did I choose this place? But, you know, exercise really did save my life because I felt better after. Just a simple walk. I felt the natural endorphins of exercise running through my body felt better. But my brain had a chance to rest, to stop thinking. You know, so I could handle life a little bit more. My my danger times was in between trainings. You know, like I driving down the Mangare motorway and I'd always look at power poles, you know, and think of driving into them, you know, and um, and I just would think of my children, you know, to, to, to have them back. You know, and that's what stopped me from doing that and that's what kept me, you know. So what I had to do was I had to try and exercise as much as possible and try and stay busy, keep my mind, um, you know, not focused on that, but focused on a goal of getting healthy, 
and getting happy and being a better version of myself in order to get my children back. Mm. Man, that's <laughs> that's not uh, the norm, mm. right? I mean, to be able to use that. Yeah. I mean, you were unhealthy, you were overweight, but to actually use that as your motivation as well. That's it's it's and that's obviously what you're trying to instill with people now and to, with mm. them with your message, but also, you know, through the Butterbean Motivation Foundation. You know, it's yeah, it's just. You know, it's this life sucks sometimes. Sometimes it sucks more than any good, but I just try and, you know, encourage our people to, to use adversity as, as, as fuel, you know, to just to let it keep you, keep you going, you know. Was, uh, it, was the fact that you, you know, because playing rugby league and, and everything, was that you knew what that felt like? Obviously the, the effort and the stuff that they put in, was, was there a – I mean, you, you yeah. understood what was required, right, I suppose? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I loved – Psychology at uni. I did psychology as a social science and psych 101. I got A's in both those papers at Auckland Uni. So I did do some stuff. But I really enjoyed psychology. Uh, and then again in the sports, there's a lot of sports psychology Absolutely. in what we do. Yeah. And, you know, like I remember a preseason we'd done with Manly. And it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Um, and I understood now why these Australian teams were so much better, yeah. um, you know, in the early days. And they had this guy called the Sand Hill Warrior. And he turned up, we were at the beach where they film Home and Away. And he turned up on a kayak out of fucking nowhere. You know, like, he kayaked from wherever he lived, you know, and kayaked there, got out in Speedos and goes, come on, boys. And we all had to go carrying medicine balls. Um, we ran around the sand dune, up and around it. And then the, the finisher was um, shuttle runs up this massive sand dune. And we, they used water bottles as the cones but you weren't allowed to drink any water, you know, and if you touched it, we, oh, we were only part-time, so you believed it. If you touch this water, you're cut. Yeah. You know, and, and at the end of it, you know, we're so just wrecked. Beaten. And he just said, you can walk into life, or walk onto the field, and you look at your opponent in the eyes and know you've worked harder. Know that there's no way that they can outwork you. Uh, and I really took that on board and, mm. and, and everything that we do now is, you know, there's always going to be people that are smarter, stronger, fitter, faster. But we, we pride ourselves on always um, being the hardest worker. You know, like we'll, we'll, we'll keep going, mm. you know, and that's what we apply to the work we do here. Just keep working. The whole uh, boxing journey and then the brown butter bean, mm. and it, like how did that all, all manifest itself? Yeah, well, I wasn't a very good boxer. I tended to block with my head a lot, but... Um, it came about with my, my good friend, David Higgins. So there was a, a famous American boxer called Butterbean. He's, a, he's like a, yeah, bit of a legend. Um, you know, he's been around like years ago, but he's a, quite a, quite a large uh, white guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And when I started boxing, I was a large brown guy. So my good friend, David Higgins, uh, who, you know, boss of Duco, mm, yep. uh, I've known him for over 30 years. He, he said, we'll call you the brown Butterbean. And, uh, he, you know, the whole Butterbean character was actually born in Germany. So David Higgins was always worried about me. He never wanted to leave me alone. He'd always be checking in. Like I always say to people, check in. You don't never know what's going on behind a smile. Always check in on your loved ones. Don't just ask once. Ask again and again. Uh, so he said to me, Dave, do you want to come to Germany? I said, well, of course I do. Free trip. He goes, well... You better train hard because you are not coming business. You are going in economy. So you have to fit in an economy seat <laughs> because I couldn't fit in economy. I, when he bought me from Australia, I had to, I had, he had to fly me business class. So I started walking yeah, he, twice he a day. He wasn't keen to do that again. He was not, not yeah. to Germany. Yeah, he wasn't. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. 
You know, over in Germany, uh, at the uh, Joe Parker Wayan, the head of German boxing was so fascinated by me. They'd never seen such a large, tattooed Maori Samoan with shaved head looking all angry and depressed. And they said to me, we want to see what you weigh. And I said, well, I do too, because every time I jump on the scale back home, it says error. So, you know, they dragged me through the crowd like an elephant by the trunk <laughs> and uh, put me on the scale and I weighed 178 kilos. And everyone was shocked at how, you know, big I was. And, but I just, for the first time in my journey, realized that I just lost 30 kilos. So while everyone else was shocked, I was like on the Very scale ecstatic. going, yeah, yeah, I'm the man, I'm yeah. the man, I'll beat anyone, those man in the world. And everyone's laughing at me. It's that, you know, and I weigh in, you know? And uh, that's when Dave Higgins had the idea. That's it. I know what you're going to do for us now. Duco are renowned for having circus acts in their fight cards. You know, they've had celebrities fighting each other, Reality TV starting fighting each other, rugby versus league, little people fighting each other. They said to me, Dave, you are the next Duco Circus Act in boxing. We're going to call you the brown butterbean after butterbean because you're, you're, you're big like butterbean, but you're brown, so we call it the brown, brown. butterbean. Oh, I hated the oh name. My goodness. And uh, we're going to roll you out. That was the word. We're going to roll you out before Joe Parker fights next. And you're going to call out whatever area Joe fights in. You're going you're gonna to be the most arrogant asshole that you could ever be you know watch all the wrestling watch all the american movies and you're going to be the stereotypical arrogant boxer and that's how it started you know i, I got in there and as i said i'd call out whatever area joe was fighting in um and i'd, I'd fight on these cards as as entertainment you know like you warm know, the crowd like, yeah warm the crowd like the gladiator are you not entertained you know yeah. like and just be an idiot you know and play this you know overweight you know, dickhead. Wow. Um, and that's how my boxing career started. Won my first 10 fights. Each fight I was on, I kept losing weight. And that's how the health stuff started. That's how oh, the right. butterbean motivation started. You got in the car, you went for a walk around the uh, One Tree Hill. You you know, that clearly was the beginning of it. How did that then evolve to BBM and, and what was that journey? Yeah. Um, so I went for that walk and, and, you know, like I spoke about before, while I was walking around the hill, I wasn't thinking about yep. how bad things were. Yep. I was thinking about, man, it's a steep hill, you know, and, and I just felt better. And so from there, that, that's how my journey started. So people overcomplicate it. My journey to losing 100 kilos and keeping most of it off started with a walk, you know, and, and the way BBM started was I was lucky enough to fight on Joseph Parker undercards and amongst all the hate mail I was getting, I was – you know, because my weight loss journey was being played out before Joe Parker cards on TV. So people started sending me messages about, man, what's the secret? How are you losing all this weight? Some people would say, Dave, are you sick? You know, they thought I was sick for losing weight. But, you know, and this is what I said to them. I said, here is the secret. Stop drinking rubbish. Stop eating rubbish and go for a walk. You know, people didn't believe me. You know, they said, oh, I can't be that. Do something else, man. Can't be that easy. Yeah. You know, you know, I said, I didn't say it was easy. I said, it's that simple. You know, uh, people were hoping I'd say, take this pill, drink yeah, this yeah, shake, or yeah, stand yeah. on those machines yeah, yeah, that shake yeah, you all yeah. about, you know. But, yeah. And that's why I started BBM, a BBM, Butterbee Motivation. And when I first started, people would laugh at me. Butterbee Motivation, what a joke, you know. Um, started as a Facebook group of me um, able to send people to it because – Everywhere else in public, I was being this character, this, this you know, larrikin. Mm -hmm. um, but in the group, I could be myself. So I just post there what I'm eating, what I'm training. If anyone wants to come, you can come. And 
And then we started our first boot camp uh, by me helping one person, my father-in-law's mate at Trust Stadium uh, in Henderson. People see what we do now, but they don't understand it started by just helping one person. Never underestimate the power of helping just one person. And that first person you should be helping is yourself, you know. And then when you've got you yourself in order, you can then help others. Mm. You know, we started in, in South Auckland in a driveway helping one lady in Papatoi, you know. And then I just thought to myself, I wonder who else wants to come, you know. So I posted it in our Facebook group and that's how we started. You know, now we have the gym in Manuko. That, that costs us. So we are a charity. You know, we've set up the charitable trust and the business. It's two separate things. I think that's how it should be, you know. Charity to charity, the business to business, right? So we set up the, um, I only had the business because I needed to invoice Duco for getting my head punched in and boxing matches, you know. <laughs> so I had the business there. I didn't want to keep boxing. So, yeah. you know, I set the charity up to get funding to keep our stuff free and to keep, you know, yep. going. So our gym in Monaco costs us $155,000 a year and I don't charge anyone one cent. Newland is $95,000 a year. I don't charge anyone one cent. Only a very small proportion of that is covered by the government. Everything else, we have to go out and hustle to get donations, grant funding, um, you know, corporate support. You know, really our model is community working with business and government for the common good. You know, then we've got the community kitchen. Uh, we do all our meals out of, do all our education programs. We've got our um, employment programs. We've got our food share. We've got the social supermarket in Tokoroa. Uh, you know, where people, that place gives back people their dignity of choice. That to me is the model because people, they come in and they shop. So when they go home, the kids ask, where you been, mum? I've been shopping. I'm in the food bank. I've been shopping. But the important thing is like when people come to our food share, they come, pick a parcel up, they leave. We go, we deliver, we leave. There's no connection. At the supermarket, they walk around, our team's there. What's going on? You know, what's going on in life? Are you working? If not, why not? What barriers and obstacles in your way that we can help remove to give you a hand up as opposed to a hand out all the time and having people reliant on handouts? You know, so it's a amazing, uh, amazing model of uh, an amazing ministry that we've built in BBM that uh, it, uh, started off as exercise, but it's so much more. It must be hard to, hard to continuously um, have to fight so hard to be able to fund something yeah, like this. Man. It's, I mean, uh, I, I, like, I, you know... I look at and talk to Mike mm. King, you know, I am hope yes. and, you know, his passion and, and what's going on mm. there and the support. I mean, why is it so hard to have to go and work so hard to to do things that are so significant and doing so much good? Why? why? What is it? Uh, what's, what's the, what's wrong? <laughs> I just think. Why is um, it broken? That, you, that it's not seen yeah. by those that have the, have the endless amount of money. I think it's these, these, these the government and, the, and whatever government's in, mm. and, and, and the bureaucrats, sometimes it's just easier for them to say, they'll give all the money to a large organization that's, that's um, you know, that's got all the infrastructure, yeah, but has very, so much little cost. It, very little of it trickles down the bottom for what they're supposed to do. But at least the, at least the bureaucrats can tick a box and say, mm. we've done what we're supposed to do. But, if it's, but the outcomes and the impact's not there. You know, so I think with uh, both Mike and I, uh, we're very outspoken, and I think that can that can that can hurt us sometimes. But someone's got to be. You've yeah, got you've to keep. You've got to make noise. Yeah, you've, you've got to because it's the only way that you get you get yeah. um, spread well, even, the voice. Even yourself with the you know I've heard you with you know with the the road to zero stuff that you've been, you know like I hear you on ZB. You've got to be outspoken. Hmm. Um, but you know, 
Mike, you know, the, the new government said they're going to um, said they're going to give Mike five mil a year. Yeah. Let's hope they stick to that mm. because just recently, you know, the the last Gumboot Friday was the worst one they've ever yeah, had. It was a real struggle. It was the worst one they've ever had because uh, Luxon had had come out and said that they're going to give them five million. Mm. So, so people are so relying people just, on that, right? Yeah, people just assume that's going to happen. Yeah. So, yeah, I think. You know, if they so long as they take the money out of the bureaucracies and put it in the community, uh, that things that are proven to work, uh, you know, I think the, the impact will be amazing. Mm. Um, from the couch, give us a bit of a. If from the couch started, you know, by me going into people's homes, and, and funnily enough, a lot of these people that I'd be visiting used to be truck drivers, you know, and it just got so out of control. So everyone listening to this, if you're in, if yep. you're in the, a truck driver or a courier, whatever the case may be, you've got to be very careful because you think it won't happen to you mm. until it does. And it creeps in. Yep. You know, you think it won't have to eat more crap, drink more crap, do no exercise, won't happen to me until it does. And then you're up shit creek. You know, I've gone to people's house and some of them were truck drivers and they can't, can no longer leave the house, the immobile. You know, and so I would train people on the couch, you know, with um, broomsticks and towels and whatever and just making stuff up as we go and getting them to, you know, push through the floor to activate their, their, their quads. Uh, and that's how From the Couch started. When we got our gym, I built the, um, these, got all these big boxes, reinforced boxes made. They, people thought they were jump boxes, but now I said, this is the couch. I'm going to get people to, to train, sit stand on these. From yeah. yeah. So whole idea is to be able to, at the end of 12 weeks, be able to stand up and work out for 30 minutes. The important thing about the From the Couch program is it's wrapped around with all the clinical support. So we can, um, you know, we've got doctors, nurses, so it's all free. Doctors and nurses to measure everything, you know, and then um, at the end of it, we have all this amazing data. So that when when I first started, people say, Dave, where's your data? Where's your evidence? And I would say, well, don't you follow me on Facebook? You know, like, and I said, no, you need evidence. So now I can say yeah. what we do works and here's all the data to prove it. Mm. What other excuse do you have to not support us? Mm. You know, because this, you know yeah. that is the that is so frustrating. Yeah. Going, give us data. Yeah, it's like just come and spend some time. Yeah, you know, come and actually open your yeah. eyes and look at this yeah. stuff. You know, everything we do now. When I have meetings with oh. bureaucrats and politicians, I get them to meet at a from the couch session. There you go. Once you see it, you know, well, the first uh, worker for Ministry of Health that came to see us. This was uh, about three years ago. And she came and she she witnessed it. She goes, this is the answer. I said, well, I have been telling you guys. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, I've only been banging my yeah. head against the wall for... And she said to me, oh, you know, uh, even telling people at, at the ministry I was coming here, there was pushback. I said, why? She said, oh, well, people were saying, you know, be careful with him because what he's teaching doesn't align with the ministry health. I said... <laughs> I said, what? Don't drink fucking fizzy drinks. <laughs> yeah. Does, does that not align with you yeah, guys? Yeah. You know? uh, yeah. And uh, I opened up the uh, Impact Lab report that showed a $13 return for every dollar invested. And I said, well, there's the evidence. You know? So out of that little seed funding we got, the amazing thing was that we got Massey University on board to research us. At the same time, wow. we have Auckland University researching us. So, you know, we're being published in health journals now. We've got people at Auckland University studying us. And yet. Yeah. And yet. Yeah, we still struggle to get so. You're still having to do it yeah. through charity. Yeah. So yeah. I, I hope one day, it, you know, because we can't continue this way. No. Uh, it's very, very stressful and it takes a toll on our families. So, but, uh, you know, we, geez, we can't stop. No, you, you and you won't. I know yeah. you're not going to. Yeah. But, so. but, but, there, but there needs to be 
there needs to be uh, nationally recognised, you know, and yep. funded uh, yep. ways based off yeah. of what you're doing. I think it's coming. Yeah. We just got to keep going, you know, and keep keep proving and just take away all excuses that they have. No you know? excuses. Yeah, no excuses. That's it. The nutrition side is just, I mean. It's, oh, yeah, it's, it's, the, just it's the most important part. I mean, man, I'm sure you've learned so much about that. Yeah, it's the most important part. It's the hardest part. Once yep. you start training, it's fun. Because stuff tastes good, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we start training, we're around others, you know, the social side of what we do, it's great. But the hardest part is getting the eating right. You know, um, we, we built a community kitchen where we educate people how to cook healthy on a budget, how to shop healthy on a budget, taking people to supermarkets, showing them basically how to read food labels because families are so busy these days that there's no knowledge being passed down yeah. to the children because they're too busy trying to work to pay the rent and keep food on the table. So it's the kids and looking then, after them. And kids. then you're tired. You, yeah. You know, it's just energy's yeah. gone. And, and yeah. whatever's get, easiest. You get what's easiest, what's cheapest, and it's always bad food. Mm. Um, and people say to me, you know, when we first started, people always say, Dave, it's so expensive to eat healthy. Uh, and it can be, but you can't use that excuse with me because I had no money. You know, when I started, I was li living in a community home in Clendon, on a mattress on the floor, I was living with a rapist and a robber at a prison. That was my life. But I was educated how to make the best choices that were available to me. Um, so that's all we teach. You know, it's not about having a six pack, you know, it's and, you know, not about eating chicken and broccoli so you can look good for an Instagram post, you know. It's about living a healthy, maintainable lifestyle. Part of living a healthy, maintainable lifestyle is having treats. But if you're treating yourself every day, it's no longer a treat. No treat. It's the way you eat. Yep. You know, so, you know, um, but also understanding it's tough and you will, you know, you will. Break the rules sometimes. You will yeah, stuff yeah. You know, it's not, you know, but I didn't get to be 210 kilos by having a bad meal every now and then, having a treat a couple of times a week. You know, there's guys that we've helped that are, you know, close to 400 kilos. They didn't, didn't get that way by having a treat every now and then. You know, it was all the time bad meals, all the time fizzy drinks and no exercise. So start small and build that solid foundation. Mm, unreal. <coughs> um, and with that, with all this stuff, and I mean, it, you've, it falls into the things you've dealt with and the psychology and how you've managed it and the things you've used. Just you know, and it's such a big topic these days for many of the reasons you've just talked about. But mental health is mm. you know it's 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 all part of it. Such a massive challenge. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I what we're doing is you know. It's, we're not an exercise group, you know, we're a lifestyle group. Uh, we're like a marae or a village or like community used to be. You know the old saying where it takes a village to raise a baby? You know, that's gone, but we, we're trying to bring that back and everything's about, you know, um, just the connection. There's something in the connection, being together with others. Mm -hmm. I think we're all, you know, meant to be connected. You need that network, yeah. right? Yeah, support network. Yeah, and, you know, so we have a program called From the Couch where we have people with multiple long-term health conditions uh, where if you're 200 kilos, you're actually small, you know, and and we educate people how to cook healthy on a boat, all these things, get them together, exercise, get them around other positive people all on the same journey, being, being led by people who understand what it's like because we were there, Um and the amazing results out of it is that not only are people getting healthier, which we always know, people are losing weight and people see the before and afters like, wow. But for me, I don't, I'm not worried about the weight loss because that will take care of itself. But the fact that people, the research data has come back and showing that not only are people getting healthier, losing weight, but they're all happier. Yep. You know, that's the most important thing because you can lose weight and be miserable. 
that's not what it's about. It's about, you know, being healthy, happy, eating the right stuff, drinking the right stuff most of the time, and and everything else will take care of itself. Mm. Well, to you, what is what's the definition of well-being these days? I mean, it's thrown around all over the place. We hear it all the time. What does it what does it mean to you? Well, I've never been asked that question. <sighs> well-being to, to me. You know, it's about being 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 healthy. You know, like but being healthy is you know, like health's not just exercise. Mm. Health is having access to a good house. You know, um, having access to education. You know, and and um, being respected. Being respected. You know, for me, like being able to tie my shoelaces. You know, you've got guys that are without with us that couldn't drive their cars for years because they, they couldn't fit behind the steering wheel. Now being able to drive. You know, so being being healthy and happy, and having and having the balance right between what we do, what you, where you work, but also with your family. Having goals probably yeah. is part of you know, and actually working yeah. towards them too. Probably yeah. having having those those things to to strive. Always got to have goals, you know, because I find then you got to have goals for when you hit your goals. Yeah, you know, because sometimes got to move, got to move yeah, again. Sometimes if you get you you got this one big goal and you get there, if you don't have something else. To look to, to work towards, you can get lost. Yeah, so yeah, I love uh, I love the chase. You know, I love starting things. Yeah, yeah. I, lo- I love that. And once I get there, I've got to have something else. So my team can keep running this, but I have to have something else to work on. You know, keep, yeah, that's what I, that's what makes me happy. And positivity is a big thing, right? What is um, why is that? You know, so important. How do you explain it? How do you use it? What's you know, why is it so important? Positivity, I think, you know, primarily what I say is so, you know, there's four pillars to what we do. I say we always got to start. Don't overthink things. You know, I was uh, visited a hospital a couple of months ago, Middlemore Hospital, where a wife reached out to me. Her husband was giving up. Um, He weighed 400 kilos and can't do anything on his own. Nothing. Um, Him and every other person I've visited in hospital, some of them, some of them never made it out. They had one thing in common. They would give anything to have an opportunity to go back in time and start. You know, so I always say, do not overthink it and start right now. Second thing is being consistent, understanding life sucks, speed bumps, obstacles, roadblocks. When you get knocked down, you just, what do you got to do when you get knocked down? You get up, man. Get up, keep getting up. Anyone, anyone successful like with you and every anyone, they're consistent. You know, and I, I think about the impact, the ripple effect. If I didn't, if I gave up. You know, I think about thousands of kids going to sleep with no food. I think about all those thousands of children waking up with no food. I think about, you know, um, all the families that we help through the floods and cyclone have beds to sleep on, you know. So that comes from consistency. Third thing is being around positive people, you know. And that means, like, at the start of my journey, I was alone a lot, you know. I didn't have those positive people around me, but I, I, I put that positive energy out there and, wanting to work hard and wanting to, you know, live a better lifestyle. And then I started attracting those types of people to me. You know, I always say, if you surround yourself with five idiots, what does that make you? Mm. You know, you're the sixth one. You surround yourself with five positive people that only want the best for you, that are only there for you, not for what you can do for them, that are going to pick you up, not constantly drag you down. You surround yourself with those types of people, I guarantee you'll be successful. Mm. You know, and the, and the last one I always say is no excuses. Yeah. You know, it's no excuse. Yep. You know, it's in the, but the only way you can really live by that mantra, because it's easy to say, and lots of gyms use it as marketing. Sure. 
the only way you can really live by it is by having a very strong why. And it sounds very airy-fairy, but, man, it works. You know, I didn't know it was my why when I, when I was going through it, but, you know, but it's my why was I had to get my kids back. You know, I wanted my, my boys back. I would um, harness the feeling. I'd close my eyes every night, crying myself to sleep in this little sleep out, and hating my life, and I, and, and I, but I'd dream about being at the airport like this with my, my arms out and just dream of my kids running up and wrapping their arms around me. Know, and can you imagine how good that felt when it happened? You know, but that feeling of wanting it, that was my why that I harnessed, you know, and that got me up. Um, my why and living with a purpose, my purpose now has been an example for my children and my wife, but more more to our people, all of our people. Mm. Anyone struggling is my mm. people, mm. you know, to let them know that it's, it's possible, mm. you know, that if I can, you can, you know. So we just, but you, you can't do any of it unless you, unless you start. You've obviously got so many um, significant stories about people, you know, that have changed and, and, and evolved. I mean, that's the reward, mm. isn't it? I suppose you know, just being able to change lives like that. I mean, it's just it yeah, must the, be, it must be incredible, man. You know, you must be so proud. Yeah, the the feeling you get when you look at someone <clears throat> and you understand that they're still here and their lives are better because you exist, and that's priceless. You know, yeah. and it reminded me. I, before here, I just had a, I caught up with a guy called Rob Campbell, who's a good friend of mine. And this, where we are, reminds me. There's Liverpool Street, that really steep street over there. It's, it's a, and that's where we started, you know. And he, he lost, uh, he lost 40 kilos. Um, he's off his medication, and the thing about him is, it's, um, it works so well. He's now vegan and drives an electric vehicle. So it's, uh, you that's know, false. <coughs> he's yeah. at the full turnaround. But yeah. you know, we've got it, guys. Like, um, you know, there's, there's Phil. You know, he lost 150 kilos. 150 kilos. He was on the sickness banner for 15 years. Uh, he had a massive lymphedema in between his legs, uh, which would leak. I'd see him for a week, then I wouldn't see him for two because he'd either be at home elevating his leg or he'd be in hospital. He was, you know, he would do things like get, when he needed petrol, he'd wait till really late at night so no one was around. You know, he was hiding away from the world. Uh, he now works for me full time. He runs my Monaco gym, runs our from the couch program. Um, you know, you got, you know, you got James, another guy who just last year um, he couldn't even stand to watch his son play rugby, and that was his why. He wanted to be able to watch a whole game of rugby of, of his son's game. He's lost 130 kilos, and he now he was a participant in from the couch last year. A participant couldn't stand for five minutes, and he's lost 130, 130 kilos. And he works for me full time. Another runs our from the out. From the couch out west, you know. So you got all these people that have that, that lived experience. So people believe, they believe yeah, they look at That's not fictional. It's, yeah. it's real. They see it and they go, "Man, that's possible. It really is possible." You know, and and and, and so they buy into it. Mm. It's amazing. Um, yeah, the, the, those are just uh, so significant. Yeah. Yeah, and it all starts like for people so for, for, for those listening, and it all starts by just keeping it very basic. People overcomplicate health. Yep. Yeah, they think they yeah. think they've got to do so yeah. much you know, all at once. Yeah. 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 You think you you know you, you see it all the time. You go from zero to a hundred, and you're you're eating like you've got a a, a living chef. You know everything's hashtag healthy living. It's like you've got a full time personal trainer, yeah. and it's, you just can't maintain that. You know. So you know for those in the in the transport industry yeah. for drivers, you just got to focus on little things because you know? we've got we've got you know um, you know statistics around you know the the 
uh, transport operators, professional drivers. And, yeah. you know, it's been a, a bit of a stereotype thing too for a very long time, you know, because of the type of work, mm. you know, sitting for a long time, very sedentary kind of operation, you know, where you just drive in a truck. Um, you know, it, it's very easy to fall into yeah. these this this way, right? Yeah. Very, very quickly. Yeah. And it's, 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 I mean, it all starts from the nutrition. Because, you know, you're sitting there uh, and we've helped lots of people that are truck drivers or shift workers. And you, you've really just got to, you know, so I, we just keep it very basic. I said, for a start, just focus on one thing. Don't try to change everything. Just try to change one thing. And I always say to people, start with fizzy drink, yep. which includes energy drinks yep. and juice. Because how bad are You know, that? like, just start with that. Yeah. And if, you know, because you're addicted to it. So you may have to go to, to, to the diet or zero, you know. To but start with, yeah. To start with. But that's still not good for you. Yeah. Then you got to work your way to water, you know, and have those things as treats. Find to treat yourself, you know. Have it and enjoy it. Enjoy it. Look forward to it. Don't feel guilty when you have it. But just start small and fizzy drinks. If you start with fizzy drinks, you know, that's huge. You, straight away, you're going to have results just from that. That alone. That alone. There's a tip. Straight up. Straight up. When I started, all I did was I stopped drinking fizzy drinks and I went for a walk. That's all I did. As I started seeing results, you get motivated. Yeah. You know, you I start. I want to do some more. Yeah. You start looking in the mirror and you're, ha- you know, some of us, we never look in the mirror. You know, you, but you, you start, you know, having some pride in yourself again, feeling good about yourself again. So you want to do a little bit more, you know. Like we've helped people that are, you know, drinking a, um, we're heavy drinkers, drinking a box of beer a day. Yep. And I'd say, well, Maybe let's try drinking a box of beer every second day. Yeah. You know, so yeah. you just got to start small, build a solid foundation to work from and be kind to yourself. Understand that it's hard and you will have bad days. And if you do have a bad day, you know, if you if you have a, a really bad meal, you know you shouldn't have had, don't follow that up with another bad meal. You know, I never follow a treat up with another treat. You know, so if you have a bad meal, forgive yourself. Make sure your next one's super healthy. And if you back that up with a walk, oh man, you're gonna feel amazing. Yeah. You know, and it's about how you feel. You know, trust me when I say if you have a healthy meal, you know, and I'm talking like, you know, just have some a steak, you know, some salad, mashed potato, you know, that's that's still better than a burger, mm. you know, and a, and chips and a coke. Yeah. You have that plus you go for a walk, man, you're gonna feel amazing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And don't necessarily think you've got to do it by yourself. Yeah, you know, bring us, but you know, certainly bring in other people into it to, to to go on the journey together. Use yeah. use each other, motivate and each other. It's, you know, if you got you know a group of your workers, that's what you're doing. I mean, yeah, that's what we do. Being groups motivate each other. Must yeah. be it's just a huge part, and the celebration of results mm. too. Yeah, and and it's just next level. Getting your family involved because if you're on the health journey, it, it shouldn't just be you. It should be your whole family. If you got your whole family involved, it's going to be a lot easier to maintain it. And then you're teaching your children, so you're gonna you got to break this cycle. Mm. You know, we helped the mother uh, whose 15 year old son weighed 230 kilos, and the mother messaged me at one in the morning asking for help. Uh, I said, "No worries, it's me in the morning. Can't got work. You know, so there's just no time to be passing down any knowledge, no time to be shopping healthy, cooking healthy. So all we did was educate the children. We got them and started training them, started talking to them about eating, started had our dietitian working with them. He's lost 30 kilos now. They cook for the family." You know, so it's really important that we educate our children so that we can break these cycles, you know? Yeah. 
So, you know, you mentioned, again, truck drivers, and you've actually worked with some and you've seen them and they get out of hand. Um, and um, we, uh, you mentioned it before, I mean, it's, it's making small changes and significantly, um, you know, stop drinking fizzy drinks, yeah. you know, is one, and just do some walking. What is it, have you got any sort of other quick sort of tips there that we could, you know, align with, um, with these uh, professional drivers just to get them thinking about some other stuff, any other... Yeah, like, it's just, it's just focusing on what you can control, right? Um, be, mm. You know, so cutting out the fizzy drinks, that is huge. If you're going to have... It's, it's, it's much bigger than what people oh, yeah. even imagine, right? It's, it's massive. Yeah. You know, because yeah. a lot of these drivers, they're driving long, long haul and they're, they're smashing down the energy drinks and it's not only is it filled with sugar, but it's filled with chemicals. Yep. Um, but then do things like if you're going to... You're at a truck stop and you're going to have a burger... Don't have fries. Yeah, yeah. Don't have the fizzy drink. Have just have the have the water. Maybe take off one of the buns. You know what I mean. So it's just little things like that. You know that you can control when you do park up. You know maybe after you have dinner, go for a 10, 15 minute walk before you go back into the truck. Do some you laps know? around the truck. All those mm. things add up. Yeah. You know, so it's just starting real basic, but those small things add up to big results. And like I said. When you start seeing results, and and don't expect them immediately, no, like tomorrow. No, but yeah. you will notice. You'll the first thing you'll notice is you'll feel better. You won't be as tired, and that's the real for me. That's that's the result I want. You know, in terms of you know the weight loss that'll come. Don't be so focused on it, and then get disappointed every time you weigh yourself. You know, you just want to be healthy and happy as long as you're eating the right stuff most of the time, and drinking water most of the time, uh, and moving. The rest of it will take care of itself, mm. you know. So again, stop drinking fizzy drinks. That is the. That is the. If you get one thing out of this, yeah, that's it. Focus. If you're going to take one. Yeah. Stop drinking fizzy drinks. And that that's how one bigger. thing alone will will help you to feel better and to lose weight. Just that one thing. Because if you're, uh, you know, when you're in a truck for hours, you are drinking a lot of fizzy drinks. How, how, you know. We're preparing our kids so badly, aren't we, mm. of this? Because the this, uh, the allowance of and the and this seemingly acceptance of this the stuff, mm. which is just which starts them off in such a bad path, uh, it, it's it's terrifying. Yeah, and I think you know these these, these fizzy drink co- companies and yeah. some of these large uh, you know takeaway companies they get away with so much that, that you know they should be made to reinvest into programs. Uh, in the communities that they're having the most um, detrimental impact on. Yes. Everyone, the community's paying for it. Yep. The most profitable fast food chains are in the most deprived areas, you know. So they need to be made to re- to reinvest in that community. Now you've got, um, through all this learning, you've gone and created a pretty amazing app as well. Yeah. Give, so, us, a, give us a rundown. Yeah, bbm.fit. It's, it's just, it was a way that we were able to uh, help even more people who didn't have access to BBM. We're very blessed in Auckland. I, I remind our team all the time because sometimes you can sort of take it for granted what we have and 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 considering it's all free, um, that a lot of people wish they had us. You know, So we, we created that app where you can get meal plans, workouts, you get access to us as a Facebook group where it's the support. So we're trying to wrap around that positive support around people. Um, yeah, and it's you know it's, I think it's like you know it's, um, nine dollars a week, so it's, it's pretty cheap. And so that also helps us to keep our work going. Fund the other yeah, stuff. So, yeah, so so we don't have to you know we, I never want to rely on government. Mm. You know, because if you're you, waiting, yeah, if you wait for the system, or you'll mm. be waiting all your life. You know, so yeah, that's a way that we can uh, fund what we do. 
Yeah. How big is the organisation and the people that are involved in it? Yeah, so BBM is, uh, there is 20 full-time workers. So again, crazy model. When you think about, every time I say, do not take notes on my business model. I've got 20 full-time employees, I've got three gyms, a social supermarket, a community kitchen, and a food share, and not one paying customer. So it's, uh, it's very, very stressful. But it's, uh, you know, it's, it works for us. And it's, um, yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a big team. And then we've got a whole bunch of our volunteers. So it's a really, what we've built is an amazing community that uh, we're there for each other. Yeah, and you're not big enough because you, you, you know, as you say, what you've got it's here in Auckland and what you're doing, yeah. and, and you know, there's there's uh, there's scale that should be being supported. Yeah, you know, there's scale around the country because yeah. we know it's uh, you know the, the the problem's not isolated. Mm. Yeah, here. We, what we've done is we've just formed a partnership, joint venture with Tamaki Health to scale from the couch and and use their resource to take from the couch to every you know community that needs it. Uh, then we can attach other stuff that we do because what we do should be everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So watch the space. Oh well, yeah. That's 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 what it's all about. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to do it. That's it's uh, very inspiring, man. It's, Thank you. Uh, it's quite an incredible journey, and you know, we we need things like this, right? We need mm. them to to help help people move forward. Um, now. We're in uh, February 22nd. You're going to be joining uh, me um, and also Dina Clarkson, um, and we're going to be doing a Transport Leaders uh, Forum Breakfast, um, where, and AutoSense is uh, putting all this together. Um, so it's great to have you on board. You are going to be such an important part of and an attraction to, to this uh, breakfast that we're putting on. Tell us why it's important to you to, um, to be a part of something like that because you do a lot of speaking, a lot of motivating around the place, but a part of something like that and share your, your, uh, your journey with, with people there. I think any opportunity that we get to, to give people hope uh, and to, to let them know it's possible and also to highlight, um, you know, the struggle that so many people are going through and that, and that, you know, if we all live our lives, I live my life where if you can't help, you should. You know, so I, I think it's important that if we all lived our life that way, mm. this country and this world will be a better Very place. Different. You know, so I'm just really looking forward to I, I look forward to all my talks uh, where we can spread hope and positivity uh, and also understanding because with understanding comes empathy. Yeah, yeah. Man, um, incredible. It's uh, been Awesome to listen to you. You are inspiring, absolutely, and, and, I'm, and I'm sure you're incredibly humble along with it as well. But uh, you know, to be able to make a difference and, and the reward that must give, um, you know, just uh, take my hat off to you, man. Oh, thanks, bro. It's been awesome to meet you. You too, bro. You too. So if you enjoyed this chat with Dave as much as I did and you want to hear some more from him, he will be presenting at the Transport Leaders Forum Breakfast event in Auckland on Thursday the 22nd of February. Uh, this event focuses on creating a culture of health, safety and well-being in transport. Dave will be joined by myself and I'll be talking uh, a bit more about driver safety and also Dina Clarkson, CEO of Coda Group, who will be sharing the journey that Coda is on and the health, safety and well-being initiatives that they are implementing across their business. It's going to be a fantastic event and one you won't want to miss if you're in the industry. To find out more, go to autosense.co.nz forward slash transport leaders. So that's it for today. If you like what you've heard and uh, you want to hear more, then please subscribe to the podcast so that you get alerts each time a new episode is released. Catch you next time.